attention, attention please. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is on the air. Hello and welcome to the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. My name is Christopher Thomason. I'm your host for this and many, many more trips down memory lane. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is a podcast dedicated to collecting the stories, the history, the memories of Camp Ojibwa for Boys in Eagle River, Wisconsin, founded 1928. Today's guest on the podcast, Rusty Zwick. This is another one of my on-the-road podcasts. Rusty lives in Mount Vernon, Washington. Beautiful tulip country up there. So uh, suddenly you're driving along and all of a sudden everything is just tulips as far as the eyes can see. It's really incredible. Rusty was an unexpected get at the last minute. Uh, I was in Seattle seeing some people and I was getting ready to head back east. And uh, I find out that Rusty's available and I could just rush up to him. Drove up for an hour, saw some beautiful countryside, had a great talk with him, heard some fun stories, and uh, totally shocked him with some information. You'll hear it when it happens, but uh, I told him uh, a piece of information I had heard from Ellen Weinberg, and uh, or, or about Ellen Weinberg, I guess I should say. And uh, it totally shocked him, and you can hear it. It rattles him for a little bit. It's in the best of ways, though. You'll enjoy that. Uh, before we get going, just let you know, if you haven't picked up your brick yet, now's the time. CampoJibbleHistory.org. Click on Walk of Fame. Get your brick. Get it locked in now into the summer. Everybody's still excited about camp. Get one while you can. And uh, for that matter, keep an eye on the website. A lot of updates are going to be hitting now that the summer is over and your intrepid historian has a little free time. Enough of that. Here we go. Rusty Zwick on the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. The innocent can never last Wake me up when September ends Like my father's come to pass Okay, so I'm Rob Zwick. I used to go by Rusty. And I was at Ojibwa starting in, I think, 52 for, I don't know, I ended up being a counselor there, so however long it takes, eight years, ten years, something like that. Nice. And uh, how did you first hear about Ojibwa? Uh, so, you know, I, was, I grew up in Chicago. Uh, summer camp, my sister went to summer camp. Um, <laughs> my folks tried to get me out early to summer camp, so... Um, they dropped me off at some place closer to Chicago when I was five, <laughs> and uh, and then I liked it, so I went there again and again and again. My dad really knew Al Schwartz, and I just had just nothing but nice things to say about Ojibwa. So Al came over and did a presentation with a slideshow, and so yeah, so that's that was it. So I went to Ojibwa, and that was my so I think I was about seven, eight or nine when I when I went there. It was like my I'd been going to camp in Wisconsin for a couple years before that even. Nice. 
And so when you go to Ojibwe, you go up on the train. Yep. We would take the train. And, you know, there was always this, you know, they used to have train time. And so the trains were not on daylight saving time. Oh, sure. And there was always confusion in the house. And I, I <laughs> believe it or not, I missed that train more than, I think once or more, twice. But anyways, sure, we take the train up there. It was an... Wait, what happens if you miss the train? Oh, so... <laughs> well, it depends on, on, on... So our backup plan was my dad just sped like hell north and oh, ca caught the train in Evanston or something like that. And one of the farther north stops, yeah. Or I guess the alternative would be... You know, some kids would have their parents drive them up, but it was like about a nine-hour drive because it was never interstate. It was two-lane highways all the way, 45 miles an hour. And, you know, you really did have to be careful you know, kind of windy roads sometimes. So that was it. We took the train up to Ojibwa. We took the train home. It was just, more, it was more exciting coming home, I think. But everybody took the train up there. Nice. Yeah. Mike. So that first time, what's the very first thing you can remember about stepping foot on the ground to Camp Ojibwa? Right. I hadn't thought of that ever. I got to tell you, I, was, I think, you know what? I think I saw how it was just a sunny, beautiful day. And we um, were on the campus, and uh, the buildings were so white, and they were they were you know they were ordered in that semicircle, you know one through six and seven through twelve, and the mess hall was on the side, and those big lofty trees in left center field. And it just I, I just thought it was beautiful. And then beyond that was the beach, and then the lake with the islands on the lake. I mean, so I, I just was the totality of it. I I don't remember. Um, I think I don't know. I, think, I guess they fed us pretty quick after we got there, and I thought the food was good. Yeah, Katie Evans. Katie Evans, of course, <laughs> and Katie and Martin and their dog, and their dog, I believe's name was I'm gonna guess was it Rusty, because that was my nickname in camp. But and I think their dog was it was a, I think it was a, um, a golden, a golden retriever, hmm. real friendly, friendly dog. And took you know we were never told I don't I I think they were told we were told something about the dog, um, and but the dog was I used to pet him whenever I'd see him and he was a great dog and so I had no problems with that dog. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back on it, I would say that the thing was really up and ready to run from the minute we got off, got there. I mean we didn't have any major breakdowns. Uh, we might have had. Lights go out once, but in some storm, I don't even know if that's happened or not. But that place ran really smoothly. There were just no glitches. Yeah. One of the basketball courts, the old basketball courts, had leather um, uh, nets. <laughs> so, you know, they, it, they worked fine. The backboards were okay. And they weren't loose. The back, and backboards were never loose. And, um, but it was, they did have leather nets. Were you a sports kid? Like, were you already into sports when you started? You know, as much as any kid growing up in the north side of Chicago, you know, I still like to play baseball. And then as I got older, I liked to play basketball. We didn't, uh, it was easier to play baseball because we had to go to ba play basketball, we had to go to basketball court. We used to play, so we used to play, um, you know, touch football in the neighborhood with the kids. And, and, and for some crazy reason, I could swim. I was a, I was a fast swimmer. I was one of the fast swimmers. And I used to win medals in swimming. But for, yeah, for some crazy reason, I never, you know, never had a swimming pool or anything like that. Did Just you learn to swim at camp? 
I think I knew how to swim before I got to camp. I don't know how I learned how to swim, but I just learned how to swim before I got to camp. And I, you know, we used to do swimming meets in the inner, inner camp swimming meets and stuff like that. But it was an odd thing. I mean, and there I was, a swimmer. Nice. So you come to camp and you're having a great time. Do you remember some of the guys you're with in the cabin? Sure, 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 yeah, sure, sure. Well, some of them I do. Um, you know, certainly Chuck Green, he and I, you know, go back a long way because he went to Sullivan High School. I went to Sun High School, so we were close by high school. So I was, we were friends in, um, in high school, I guess, when we started driving. And Denny Rosen was at Sullivan, too, right? Yeah, well, but Denny Rosen was a little bit older than I was, and he was University of Illinois. Mm. And I, he was at Illinois, University of Illinois in Champaign, Illinois, the same time I was. Oh, I see. Okay. But he was a little bit ahead of me. Um, and then, you know, it's really funny. Uh, uh, it, sometimes I get confused. With, <laughs> it's easy to confuse me. Sometimes I get confused with people I knew from the fraternity at Illinois, or from high school with camp as the, as the memories start to blend. But for sure, I remember Steve Seffrin. I remember Dizzy Nitzkin. Everybody loved Dizzy Nitzkin. Shelly Gottlieb, Steve Landsman, uh, Chuck Green. There was a kid, uh, Dick Oveson, who was a really good third baseman. Um, Marshall Lutz, uh, Robbie Ruthstein, we used to call him Yogi. Um, Bernie Kirshner. Um, so, yeah, Bobby Appel, Ira Keishan. I mean, people that I I liked. I mean, these were the people who came to mind first, so they must have be, been stored in a happy place. Sure. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and um, I'm probably glaringly forgetting somebody, but, um, yeah, okay, all right, all right, all right. Everybody's my age now anyhow, so what the hell. <laughs> So you go to camp, and um, obviously you come back to camp year after year. Do you recall, like, what are the things that made you sort of love it, made you want to keep coming back to this place? You know, I got to tell you, once again, whenever I think of Ojibwa, it's always a sunny day on the campus, I swear to God. And that was just, it just seemed so pretty. So um, I, liked, I liked playing baseball. I loved it when my team was scheduled to play on the campus diamond. I liked playing baseball. I... Um, we used to have um, a variety show, um, and I, you know, I didn't do, we, we, everybody did a little bit of theater there, too. It wasn't really very, but I liked to clown around in front of people anyhow, so I would f somehow find my way doing, uh, I, you know, something. I wasn't a star. Chuck Turk starred as Ralph Rackstraw in the HMS Pinafore, and everybody just was knocked out by him. <laughs> but... Um, but we used to have a variety show. It was called the Minstrel Show, and and that's probably been discussed at great length. But um, I didn't realize nobody realized it. But I had a lot of fun with it, and I got to be an, uh, one of the end men oh, and nice. crack the jokes. And, and yep, Larry Rosenberg was one of them. He was he and I did a Charleston together. Larry Rosenberg is another guy I remember. Um, yeah, it was a lot of high honor. It was a lot of fun. We got to tell corny, stupid jokes, and everybody would laugh. And so that was one of the things I, I towards you know later on as I was um, getting older. That's one of the things I looked forward to. I guess it was just seeing seeing the people. I was I was flat out always felt safe there. I, I really didn't have any anxieties there. I mean, every once in a while, I guess everybody gets lonely. You know, 
at night, you know, and I mean, I think that's one of the pretty things too, because, you know, even though we had a lot of, things were really, really, really structured, there was like free time. We used to have late evening, early evening activity and late evening activity. And sometimes we didn't have a late evening activity. And so as it was getting dark, you know, you'd be with, you know, one or two friends of yours and, or doing something or doing nothing. You know, and it just, it was conducive because it was quiet. And the people in those days, I don't know if it was like now, but, you know, there weren't radios blaring. I imagine there's a lot of personal music devices nowadays. We did not have that. And, um, as a, and anyways, it, was, it seemed like it gives you an opportunity just without trying to or even wanting to. You just sort of got reflective, I think. I'll tell you one other thing about the personal music devices. They had a phone that had a mouthpiece and an earpiece in the old kitchen. And you used to, get, you used to say, you know, Rusty's Wick, phone call. And it was all exciting, you know. You're, and you used to go to the old kitchen and pick up a phone that had an earpiece and a mouthpiece in the phone. And you could, yep. Oh, like the kind where the mouthpiece is, is on the wall. The mouthpiece is on the wall. Yeah. Wow, that's, <laughs> that's very cool. I know. Nice. Now, that might have been... That might, it was definitely there. I don't know if that's, yeah, anyway, so, yep, that's what I remember. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, so that was it. So I remember, I, so I remember this, the sky was always really pretty blue, blue as it, you know, got darker even. And, you know, there were always stars out. Um, you know, the food was always good. It, I just remember it being a real happy time, you know, um, you know, getting pissed off, you know, it's different things, and anyway, so. Sure. Well, you're growing up. I mean, that's yeah. part of it, too. Yeah, it's part of growing up, absolutely right. Getting some independent time to yeah. build self-esteem and figure out life a little bit on your own. I guess so. I guess so. You're under, under, under no pressure, and, and it seemed like none of the kids that we were, you know, there were, uh, um, everybody's economic strata was, comfortable enough to send a kid to camp. And it just seemed to me that, I mean, that was the golden age. You know, I think that, that our guys, um, we didn't realize that there was anything wrong. <laughs> we didn't realize that there was anything sinister at work. So it was just eight weeks of just unbridled fun. And... Now, during that time... So Alan Pearl are running camp. Yep. Do you as a camper, do you have a chance to have kind of like a personal relationship with them or are they more like just the directors and you, you just know they're there? You know, uh, I, I, so somehow or other, Al and my dad were friends. So I sort of felt, a, you know, kind of a kinship to him, but hardly ever talked to him. I mean, Sid, Sid Novak was the head counselor and Al and Sid were, you know, they similar build, everything similar about him. And they were—they just seemed like they were genuinely nice guys. They were always happy to see us. And um, and um, I, you know, admired them, respected them. Yeah, and I liked them. And I would, I would n not um, be, you know, do anything disrespectful. I might have done stupid things, but certainly nothing, you know, disrespectful or, or hurtful. Sure. I think. And then, of course, when, and then um, everybody was in love with Ellen. She was a couple years older than everybody, but she used to come to camp, and she always had this really pretty 
smile and nice tan, and everybody was in love with Ellen. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned Ellen, because I heard through the grapevine that, that potentially Ellen had a pretty big crush on you. Huh. Any, uh... Isn't that sweet? Well, what a, what a funny... As he, re- as he reaches for his drink... Yeah, she was a good kid. I, you know, um, I grew up with a sister who was a year older than I was, and so I, you know, admired women all the time. So Ellen was, I admired her. Very nice. Uh, I got to meet Ellen for the first time doing this. Um, Her daughters, of course, their kids are at camp now, and I've known all those kids. Her daughters? Yes. Oh, are at Ellen's daughters. Are at what camp? Ellen's daughters have boys oh, oh, who are eligible. Oh. Yes. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Isn't that cute? Um, That's so wonderful. I knew all of the daughters from that, and of course the, the grandkids. Right. I had never met Ellen. So uh, Ellen and two of her daughters, Margie and Susan, we sat down together and did one of these together. Well, that's a... That's, she's, a she's a real cut-up. She's a really... Yeah, fun. she is. They, they're, they're very bright. You know, they're... She used to tell stories about Al, that they were in a... In a some small town, you know, people, anyway, they were driving through somewhere, and there was a small town, they went to all went to the movies in a small town, and there was a power failure in the movies, and Al had everybody singing, he started a community sing, everybody was in the theater, so that's, so they were outgoing people, and Al, you know, somebody there really liked, um, they appreciated music and the art. They tried to, they tried to get to build it. And they used to have inner cabin sings. All the cabins would put on. You were required to come up with a song. And everybody, you know, in a tiny little skit. And then in, during collegiate week, they had a collegiate sing and a collegiate skit. And then I think every year they would try to put on a play. Or I don't know if they would. I can't remember that exactly. I think they did every year. Or sometimes it was a little uh, more strongly encouraged and supported by whoever the theater department was. But, and then um, the minstrel show. And they used to have talent shows all the time and they used to give the kids like a ballpoint pen if they won. Oh. It was hilarious. Yeah. Is it worse? Yeah, it was worse. <laughs> uh, but, but you, were you like to get in front of people a little bit, so you yeah, probably I, took part in a lot of that stuff. I guess I did, not as much as, you know, I felt a little so, yeah, n- not as much as, as I would have, you know, if I had it to do over again, but it was, you know, it's, I didn't miss anything. I, I guess I, I guess I was able to do pretty much what I wanted to do. I got to tell you one other thing that you know. Every night, you know, um, Stevie Landsman would play taps, or before him it was Don Trail, and that was a really beautiful thing because at the end of the night, and he'd be on, you know, standing in the in the camps right by the flagpoles. The flagpoles still the same place by the mess hall. Stand there, play taps, and you know, and these are two people who really could play. I guess it's the cornet, the trumpet, I don't know. Don Trail and Steve Landsman, and it was beautiful. It was just really beautiful. And then Al would come by with Denny or, or, or with um, Sid Novak and then say, Cabin One, all in. And all the little, all in, Al. And then he'd say, Good night, boys. And say, Good night, Al. And he'd walk and go. All the cabin, you could hear him. And it was just, it was a wonderful touch, just a very wonderful touch, just telling everybody good night. And, just, and he was, uh, you know, for certain, a, you know, like the authority figure. But, um, uh, 
you know, people liked him. They, they did what they wanted. My impression was that they, they did what they did. Because he, he knew what he was doing. He did it right. So you do it, you know, you have an opportunity. Just almost intuitively, if you have an opportunity to do it the right way, that's how you do it. And that's how he did it. So people followed him. In that. And he would lead us in exercises every morning <laughs> down on the waterfront. Well, I mean, it, yeah. and, you know, and make us do all kinds of stretches. And I mean, and then, you know, and he used to say to us, he says, you're here in the fresh air away from the smog. This is before anybody knew what smog was. Where everybody, before anybody really thought there was such a thing as air pollution. And he just said, you know, you're up here in the, in the great north woods where the air is clean. Take deep breaths and enjoy it. I mean, oh, I mean, what? Yeah, he sounds like he was a preacher, but this guy, I, I obviously... Yeah, and he, he and, and, and uh, so... Um, he and Pearl would play, um, so who were the bomb guys, guys, mom and daddy? And yeah, they would play doubles tennis all the time, and Ellen would play tennis sometimes, and I mean, they would have some of their friends come up, you know, and, but so during rest, they, so everybody got a respite from about after lunch till about two, so then they, they would have some free time for them, the staff would have free time. So we talked about sports a little bit. We talked yeah. about sort of music and drama. Are, what are the other things, um, obviously the big sports camp at the time, softball, basketball. What are some of the other things you did at camp that stick out that you really enjoyed? Maybe like you mentioned swimming. Yeah, we, we, every, I think it was, we had a swimming meet. I mean, it was a very competitive thing. It could have been a little more in-depth in coaching. But we did have instruction on all these things. So in some ways it was coaching. But, you know, it was whoever drew the straw to teach whatever that they... But anyway, so it, it, I think we had a swimming meet either every Saturday or every Sunday, or we had a track meet the other, either Saturday or Sunday. We had a 50-yard dash, a lo, you know, long jump, high jump, shot put, or baseball throw. Um, and then the swim meet was, you know, breaststroke, backstroke, crawl, and and a lot of comp, a lot of competition, a lot of competition. And so I remember that uh, we used to canoe trips. You know, we had um, the aluminum canoes and a couple of new. War canoe races with about eight or nine guys in the canoe just rowing furiously or paddling furiously. <laughs> we had rowboats. We had, um, and every once in a while we'd get to go to town on, our, I think it was every Tuesday or every Thursday, or Thursday was cookout. Tuesday night we were, on, we were out of camp somewhere. Um, now, did you walk to town? No. We, we, they, they had, uh, yeah. <laughs> They had, you know, weird destinations. But if there was a destination where you would have a Coke machine, it was the most exciting time in the world. And six miles to a Coke machine If you had a destination that there's going to be a Coke machine at the end, it's an okay hike, you know. Nature's right at all, you know. Nobody noticed it then. You know, we had all had canteens and flashlights, and it was the farthest thing from our mind to ever really use them, need them, whatever. But, you know, it was just, um, and there's big rituals about washing out your canteen and putting in water. Who had the better kind of canteen? Which did you like better? And oh, sure. it, was, it was just an odd thing because it's something you never, ever, ever thought about mm -hmm. except, except for that one five-minute burst where, oh, you get, 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 we need a canteen? And then, oh, hey, look at that. And it's super important. I mean, nowadays it's water bottles. I know. And the first guys who had Nalgene's, oh, yeah. that was just the end of the world. But suddenly these guys have these Nalgene bottles, but then the Nalgene's were bad because of the BPAs, so then the next bottle. Oh, God, <laughs> oh, God. We used to have these, 
probably they were probably all soldered with lead. Sure. <laughs> it's either rust or lead or both. Rust or lead. And what else? So um, and so with trips to town, you know, you know, get a milkshake. You used to, your counselor sometimes would go to town and bring you back a milkshake oh, sure. from Zimpleman's. They would save the cartons for the counselors. I, I don't know. Anyways, once in a while you'd get a milkshake brought back from, and it's really fun. And odd, because I remember it was kind of discouraged, but not really, I don't know, frowned on. I mean, it wasn't encouraged, put it that way, but it wasn't so bad. It was a real, it was a real uh, you know, honorable thing, an honor to get it. But I can, and I can remember um, one time really liking it. It was just the greatest chocolate milkshake. In the, but there are stories about kids, you just couldn't wake them up. You just couldn't wake them up to get them their dang... <laughs> And they just, yeah, I never could go for a hamburger. <laughs> I never could go for a hamburger. But the, um, but I remember bringing home milkshakes and getting milkshakes, and they were always were really good. And the other thing that Zimpleman's had was a cherry lime Ricky. Ooh, sure. Do, do they still have those? Uh, well, Zimpleman's is no longer there. Zimpleman's oh, yeah. has been replaced by a fudge shop. I just happen to be a cherry lime Ricky fan. Oh yeah, okay, <laughs> okay, yeah, cherry lime Ricky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we used to we used to have them there. Because it was a real soda fountain. Yeah, it was a real soda fountain with chairs along the counter, and and uh, you know, uh, it, it had a thing that would dispense fizz water under pressure, and also another if you push it the other way or another spigot would be just seltzer water. So they really did it well, and they swirled it up when they made it to make it mix, and then they yeah they did a good job. There's a place up there now called Soda Pops. And they do like uh, basic burgers. It's, it's basically so they put in a, a retro soda fountain, serve all the things that you think they would. They also have a they have like 500 different types of sodas that you can purchase by the bottle. But it's all sort of making cash off of the vintage craze. So yeah, you know, it doesn't feel authentic at all. But. So I'm going to tell you something. Um, I I might have been a junior counselor. I, anyway, I mean. Or I don't know if I, I don't know what my status was. It might have been my, you know, I might have been cabin 13 or I might have been junior counselor. But anyway, I, I guess I must have been a junior counselor because I, we got a ride to town. And there was a um, camera shop that would develop film. And they had a big cutout picture of, I don't know, Marilyn Monroe or Bridget Bardot or somebody out there. And I stole it. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and um, it was an, I was embarrassed by it. And, and I mean, I did it. And um, I don't remember really how it resolved. I remember I had to apologize. And but I mean, it was just it was you know just a real it was just a spur of the moment thing, and it was just blown over. I just. You know, anyway, so that's a story. Did you return it? Yeah, I had to return it. Al, Al found out about I it. Say, Al found out yeah, about and I, I can't. You know, it's really cute. I was able to block that out of my mind. You know exactly what happened after that. Sure. But I mean, it was you know no harm, and it it never was. Um, it never soured the feelings. Yeah. Well, I mean, camp is about. Growing up, but about yeah. learning to grow up, and right. it's good and bad, yeah. and then, you know, in, in both ways. And so when those moments happen, it's 
it's nice that you got a chance to sort of learn from it without being overly penalized. Yeah, of course. And uh, it was, you know, goofy, you know, goofy kids, stupid, goofy things. Yeah, for sure. What about the Braves? Of course, of course, of course. Now here's this is going to be a you know, um, so the Braves were supposed to be like an honor organization, you know, and towards the end everybody got got to be in the Braves. First couple of years it was a big deal, and there were people who weren't chosen to be Braves. Right. So the thing was that it became obvious. The first they had three powwows. Um, the first powwow, the the people who you know, um, either you'd been there for a while and by reputation were known to be a really good guy. I mean, it was a selective organization. It was, and it was, you know, really poorly defined criteria. <laughs> right. But um, it had to do with, you know, not being a crybaby, not being a, a jerk, being a good athlete, um, being likable, whatever. And um, this, and then the second powwow, just about, you know, you just as long as you you know you weren't a total fuck up. And then the third powwow, everybody. <laughs> third powwow was for total fuck ups. <laughs> yeah, and they call them Schwartz picks. <laughs> so the Braves were cool. They were really, 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 really cool, especially when I was really young when it first started out there. Um, and they were on you were on Brave Silence. And when you were picked, you were a neophyte, and you swept the beach or you cleaned up the whatever you did. And you weren't allowed to talk, and um, you know it's a it's a you know it was a ceremony. You know the Ojibwe Indians were really um, they they were uh, they had a complicated society. They were really um, advanced culturally, an advanced culture. I mean, for <clears throat> for that demographic, <clears throat> so it's a. Um, uh, so you just could tell by the way Al presented it when he would talk about it at the beginning of the year. He, he meant it to be serious. And, and, um, and I guess even back then, you know, you, people had sort of a sense of entitlement. And, um, but you did, I, I remember I really wanted to be brave. And, uh, and 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 part of it, I mean, what Al would, what Al would say about it, it was very you know very simple. But he he tried to convey the feeling that there are higher not callings, but you know higher motives for doing things and being. You know, a good citizen, and, and and you know, helping out and not being selfish, and those are qualities. You know, I remember there 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 used to be this poem, and it goes. Um, I don't. I hope I. You know. Anyway, here is best I remember. If you listen in the moonlight, when the lake is all aglow, if you listen in the twilight when the sun is dipping low. If you listen with a heart, a heart that's open wide, the chiefs of tribe Ojibwa will bid you come inside. You know, I, I like that. I like that. And, you know, it's sort of mystical, you know, new agey, airy-fairy. But that was, you know, a long time ago. 
And you could almost, at least for me anyways, I could almost sort of see Indians going through the forest when I was walking along the trails. So I, 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 just, I just think I enjoyed the heck out of that camp. I just, there were not very many things I didn't like about that camp. And you know, and you touched on something really special there, though, about the about what the Braves represents, but also what that that's the warrior that's part of the right, warrior, right, right, right. And um, we do that on Warrior Night now. Um, part of what that's talking about, it's almost um, it's almost a non-religious spirituality. Yep, yep, it's a non-religious and spirituality. It's opening your eyes to that, and 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 let and so in turn saying to you whether you want your spirituality to be religious or not. This is a way to understand spirituality in general. Right, right. And by spirituality, you mean like uh, whatever the spirit thing is, you know. Believe in a thing. Conscience or or something. um, Yeah, believe in a thing maybe is the right way to say it. Uh, Connect to something that might be bigger than you. Right, yep, yep. And and, right, apart from um, any other, you know, apart from Watermelon League, for example. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, you're there as a camper several years, all the way up until, we'll talk about you getting a counselor in a second, but um, speaking of counselors, during that time, do you have some counselors that really stick out as being... Oh, sure, yeah. I remember, I remember um, Barry Kirschenbaum, and, um, and, um, of course, yeah, so Barry Kirschenbaum, he was, he was really smart, and, um, I think Erwin Bliss was, I can't remember, but he was a really smart guy too. And um, there was uh, Lee, Herb Harris, there was Lee Schneidman. Lee Schneidman was our theater guy. Have you come across that name before? Sure. Um, and I didn't particularly like him. I thought he was a blowhard. <laughs> but that didn't matter. I mean, Jesus, that was 50 years ago, right? Sure. So sorry, Lee. Lee you, was a professor, right? He was already a I don't know. Yeah, he, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 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 um, and I, it, it, they, they were, they were all okay. They were all okay. I can't, you know. I think one of my JCs was Clancy Seffrin, who was the mess hall. He used to bang balls off the mess hall roof all the time. He was a lefty. His brother Steve Seffrin uh, was in my camp before. He could. Hit, he was also a very good baseball player. And then their older brother, their oldest, was Doc Seffrin, and he'd been in Ojibwa forever. And he went to Drake, and he was a radio producer. And he had a he had a show called Hear It Now, and that was just before Edward R. Murrow came up with See It Now on CBS TV in the fifties. That was uh, it was really infancy. That was one like one TV camera. And anyway, so Edward R. Murrow and and, and Doc Seffrin was Hear It Now from Drake, and then um, and he was a nice guy too. He was a very nice guy. He had two younger brothers, Steve and Clancy. Anyway. Um, uh, I can't remember. Um, huh. Okay. Well, anyway, that's what you get. Yeah. That's what you get, Chris. Yeah, Those are the guys that made my list. Right. And then you become a junior Right. How do you have a sense of remembering how how different that was? I loved it. I couldn't believe it. I was so in. I just thought it was the coolest thing. I loved waiting at tables. I loved clowning around. I mean, it was just. It was just. It was so, it's the stuff they asked us to do was so easy. And um, so anyway, that's, so I liked it. I enjoyed it. I, you know. Um, I didn't mind that at all. I, I, I think, I mean, I think, um, like I read to the kids at the 
library in, in Mount Vernon now. So I, you know, I love, you know, I've, you know, of course I got kids of my own now. I got grandkids. So what the hell? <laughs> so believe me, I would have, I would, I, it would be a lot more enriching if I were to do it again. But you know, I, you know, I would have to say going through it that it was, you know, mutually beneficial and nobody got hurt by it. Could have probably been a, you know, better at it, you know, more in tune with the kids. But you know, I don't have any bad members. Of it. I, I would, you know, if you would have said, "Oh yeah, you know, these kids just cry in your cabins," I couldn't remember that they did. But they probably did. But I never hit anybody. You know, every once in a while, if you lose your temper and you'd, you'd sock somebody really hard on the arm, and that was the that was it. But I, it's, I there was never any physical, you know, punishment by any of the staff to any of the kids. So um, I, I sock on the arm. Exactly right. That's ex ow, ow. Yeah, you want that again? No, cut it out. All right then, smarten up. Yeah, I mean today, obviously in today's world, you couldn't, you know, for them like, you know, that's just what we did. Yep. But nowadays, that guy, way too physically violent. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, it's um, it's just changed the whole thing. I mean, just the same way, there's um. Camp does have a, uh, what's the right word for it? Physical intimacy is the wrong word. Right. But the expression, the physical expression of, of fondness. Yeah. Um, I am surprised lives on a camp. Huh. I am surprised in a way that, that that is also didn't go the way of the punch in the arm. Because just as there's a punch in the arm, there's the arms around the shoulder, there's the, right. the big hugs or whatever. And that survives. Well, well, that's you know we we're always encouraged that I think the tribes, uh, in you know in prehistoric times the tribes that huddled together probably survived, <laughs> and if you could show some, get some <laughs> compassion and show some you know, you know your your odds of surviving are improved. Way to go, Denny Rosen. <laughs> Denny Rosen. Denny Rosen was um, he 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 I ha I have to be honest with you he was kind of intense. He, you know, he 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 was not unkind, but he was really intense. Yes. He still is. He still is. He still real slender. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he talked. He, he gives me a hard time about putting on weight, but if he puts on, you know, ten pounds, then you know. Right. <laughs> um, camp was in the fifties for you. Going into the sixties, you've lived a long and prosperous life since. Uh, how has the life you've lived and influenced by your time at Camp Butchable. Uh, okay, so that's a nice, sweet question. Um, I, you know, it, 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 you know, it's so different from everything I'm doing now mm -hmm. that it's hard to really, hard to really say. I got to tell you that one thing is that when I see people that I know from there, I'm happy to see them. Yeah. So that's, and so if I, if I'm going to spend time with somebody whom I used to know from there. You know, that's a plus also. So it, it, it's, it's just the mem just bringing up the memories. The bringing up the memories are the, uh, are the, um, are the, the happy influence of my life now, just being able to go back there and go back there and relive some of the things. And it's a, it's a, a nice, it's a comfortable, you know, comforting. Yeah. So. Nice. When was the last time you were at camp? My last year as a counselor, I, I have not gone up there. A couple of times, people from University of Illinois in Champaign 
after, a couple years after I was had left, you know, the people would go up there. Um, in fact, a lot of guys would go up there, and even guys who weren't in camp. But you know, I I guess I was I don't know. Didn't I never went? Just wasn't. So I haven't been back there for such a darn long time. Um, well, you're always welcome. Yep, for sure. And that would be. Um, it would might be a lot of fun to go back there. Next summer, leading into next summer. Next summer is the 90th summer. Jesus. And so we're doing, I think, probably about... 90, so it started 1926? Well, it started 1928. Uh, 2018 will be the 90th year, but oh, okay. actually 90th summer is... Right. So it's that in the 2017. And um, so we're doing a party in probably April of next year, about this time next year, in Chicago as a big celebration. And Al used to always have a... Um, a party at the Covenant Club. And it was a big deal because that was, it was an elegant club and we used to, everybody would put on, a, a, we were little kids, we put on a jacket and tie and he would, um, we were expected to behave ourselves. And he was unflappable. He was unflappable. He, he just seemed like his, he was, um, yeah, he, Hosted a hundred screaming kids at the Covenant Club at a sit <laughs> at a sit down lunch, and he just sort of let everybody run around the place. I guess he knew that that you know we weren't going to really trash it. I guess he was anyway. He was on he, uh, he was on he didn't bother him at all. Good, yeah, yeah. So then, last but not least, yeah. Tell me one more great camp story. <sighs> so, I really. Yeah, I think the thing that I, I liked the most was the uh, the the championship um, watermelon league. I mean, we won. I won the watermelon league, and we actually went undefeated. And oh, wow. I know, and uh, it was phenomenal. I just had. I was trying to. When I heard you were coming up, I tried to dredge up the names of the guys on the team, but you know, Chuck played short. Bobby Rustin played. Center. I played left. Um, I think Marshall Lutz was our pitcher, or, or he, he was the catcher. I think Jimmy Cargman played first. I can't remember who our third. But anyway, so it was, and and, and um, I mean, I knew we had a good team. And in those days, he had two two junior counselors were on, and so uh, um, so Chuck and I were on the same team. And it was just great fun going out and playing. And it was, must have been like being on the Yankees. I know we thought we were so good, you know. And we ended up winning the championship game seven to six. Oh, wow. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, we had a couple of blowouts, like 15 to two. I was going to say, yeah, undefeated all year. Yeah, yeah, I know. It was, it was Stevie Landsman's team. And he was, he was a lefty, and um, he hit the mess hall a couple of times, too. And he was a phenomenal swimmer. He was a good athlete. So anyhow, 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 so we beat his team. And that was, and you know, undefeated watermelon league. Nice. It's on my resume. That's a big one. That is a big one. <laughs> right. Leagues, these days, uh, we do four-week sessions. So you can come for all eight, right. but you also can come for the first four weeks or the second four weeks. Right. So the leagues aren't all season long, they're half. Sure, of course. But in your day, you, have to, you want everything yeah. all summer. Yep, 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 yep. 
And, 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 and two, we play more varied sports. So every right. kid's playing five different sports. So right. you may not play softball every day, but in those right. days. I think we pretty much played every day. But, and there was always people hitting the balls out, hitting the ball on the campus diamond, you know, like when people were going swimming, if, you know, anyways, there was always be softballs out there and people would be, you know, taking whacks and people would be fielding the balls in the outfield and, uh, yeah, and then, you know, they had basketballs all the time, and you could just go to the medicine man and check out whatever sports equipment you wanted. And, sure. and it, yeah, it, it was. Um, they kept the equipment in the medicine man. Yeah. The medicine man room also checked out your equipment, too. Yep. Right? And they had a bunch of. Bo- I mean, I was. I used, used to take turns being there. I remember being in there, and we used to have, you know, uh, <laughs> really old baseball gloves that looked like they were deliberately. Soaked and then run over, <laughs> and some baseballs that were like eight pounds for some being so waterlogged, and but there was a lot of equipment there, just a lot of equipment. We used to play um, badminton, volleyball. There was horseshoe pit, and that was part of it. Um, we had archery, uh, we had, with instruction, so that was a good thing. We rifle range, which was. Is interesting, you know. Interesting. You might as well know what the hell gun. Um, we, you know, there was the craft shop where you could make things. And, and it, again, I, I, I mean, it was like shop in high school. But everybody was really nice. But you know, I never, never got into that. I mean, it, you know, it would have been, um, and then boating and canoeing and yeah. yeah. Nice. All right. Well, I think that's it. All right, it's been a pleasure. Thank you it's so been much. a pleasure. I'm glad you. I'm glad you hooked up with me and uh... Okay, that is it. Another one in the books, Rusty Zwick, direct from Mount Vernon, Washington. Uh, I hope you could hear what I was talking about when I told him that Ellen Weinberg that I'd heard Ellen Weinberg had a crush on him in the day. I mean, it was like he reverted to being a 14 year old boy with a crush right in front of me. He couldn't keep his composure at all. He was completely rattled. It was awesome. (laughs) I think I made his year. So, uh, Ellen, if you're listening, um, just know that Rusty really liked that. That information was true. Okay, if you want to get in touch with the podcast, as always, you know how. Just drop me an email, Christopher at org, or swing by the website and see what's doing. As I mentioned in the opening, with the camp season now officially over, uh, there's going to be a lot more camp history project stuff happening. So keep an eye out for that. And keep an eye out for me. I'm going to be on the North Shore for the next few months. So if we haven't done a podcast yet and you think it's time to, let's do it. Give me a call. Drop me an email. But for now... I'm going to have a cigar.